You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles to the book of Revelation in chapter 8. I, I, knew, I knew this would happen. I knew this day would come because... The last lesson that we covered from Revelation, are you ready for this? It was December 7th. That has been four weeks ago. And uh, we did a couple Christmas messages. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brother Michael Future will preach one of the Wednesdays. Brother Nathan preached one of the Wednesdays. And so I know it's been a long time. I hope we don't have to start over from the beginning. Um, but uh, if, you, if you don't remember, maybe go back and listen to some of those uh, messages to refresh your memory, but I do want to pick up in chapter 8. We left off at verse number uh, 7, but just very quickly, let's just look at verse number 1, and we'll try to just jump right into chapter 8 and pick up where we left off. Revelation chapter 8, verse number 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, keep in mind, the first seven judgments of the tribulation are the seven seal judgments. And when we say a seal, uh, imagine like a, a wax seal, perhaps on a document, on a scroll, or on a letter. And those seals are opened, and as each seal is opened, there's more judgment coming. And so the final seal is the seventh seal, and you would think, okay, finally, the judgments are over. But the seventh seal is opened, and the seventh seal reveals that there are now seven trumpet judgments. Meaning there are, there's an angel, and the angel blows the trumpet, and that trumpet signifies another judgment upon the earth. The Bible says in verse 1, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Uh, I cannot imagine what that would have been like in heaven where the choir stops, the music stops, the angels stop, uh, all the saints in heaven, they, they're, they're quiet because of what is about to be revealed. And if that, if that doesn't show you the significance, I don't know what will. But when heaven goes silent for half an hour, you better realize there's something big about to happen. And I want to remind you what God has planned for the future. It will happen. You can mark it down. You can take it to the bank. God's word is true. And prophecy in the Bible is just as if it were history because it's going to happen because God said so. Verse number two. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, it ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves 
to sound. We see the prayers of the saints are lifted up and the prayers of the saints uh, for God to step in, for God to work, for God to intercede on behalf of all of the sufferings of God's people throughout the centuries and specifically now the sufferings of God's people during this time of tribulation. But we see the power of prayer. The, the prayers go up and the judgment of God comes down. Notice with me verse 5, it says, And there were voices. I don't know what those voices sound like. I don't know what those voices say. But can you imagine being on planet Earth during the tribulation? And there are voices coming out of heaven. And there are thunderings and there are lightnings signifying something is getting ready to happen. Verse number seven, we get to the first trumpet. Let's have prayer. We'll jump into that. Lord, we pray now you'd speak to us. And to help us not to miss what you have for us in your word, I pray that we would be receptive. I pray that we would be tender. I pray that we would be brokenhearted for people that do not know Christ, for people that will experience these judgments. Uh, God, it is uh, not your will that any should perish. It's not your will that any should go through this tribulation. But we know that all those that reject the free gift of salvation. We know that those folks will uh, suffer a time of tribulation. And we also know that for those that do not know Christ, their suffering will not just be for a few years in a tribulation period, but their suffering will be for all of eternity in a lake of fire. And I pray that you would cause us to, to grip that reality tonight and may it change the way we live. May it change the way we see this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number seven, very quickly, we see the first trumpet. First trumpet in verse seven, it says, The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Can you imagine that? Uh, I, I think about at times where... There have been forest fires. And by the way, not just in the United States, a few years ago, they were having forest fires all throughout Europe. And I remember seeing those maps and they'd show little flames on that map to indicate where the fires were. But if you were to look at the United States of America and you were to look at that map of California, it was just really a, a small portion of California. It wasn't even the whole state. But can you imagine looking at a map of the United States and a third of the United States is on fire? Can you imagine a third of the trees and a third of the vegetation in the United States being destroyed by fire? And not just the United States, but can you imagine one third of the world's vegetation being destroyed from the fire that comes from the first trumpet judgment? That's just the first trumpet judgment. This will affect the food supply. This will affect uh, the animals. This will affect the humans. This will affect uh, the, the crops. This will affect everything. And that's just the first one. Number two, the second trumpet judgment. We see in verse eight, and the second angel sounded. And as it were, a great mountain burning with a fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. Now you say, how does that happen? I don't know how that happens, but I know something like this has already happened. You remember the plagues in Egypt? Remember when the water was turned into blood? 
Can I tell you, if God said it, he's going to do it. And a third of the water, verse number eight, the third part of the sea became blood, verse nine, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life, they died. And the third part of the ships were de destroyed. Can you imagine again looking at a map, maybe from a, 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 a satellite? And can you imagine seeing portions of the ocean, a third of the oceans? They're no longer blue. They're no longer a greenish tint. They're no longer the color of water, but they are turned to blood. And not only that, but a third of the, the, the creatures in the sea have died. Can you imagine the stench? Can you imagine the mess? Can, you want to talk about pollution? You want to talk about a third of the waters and a third of all the, the fish and the sea creatures that die? And this is only the second trumpet judgment. The Bible says this. I think it's interesting that it mentions this also. But it says in verse number uh, nine, it says, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, I've wondered about that. How would those ships be destroyed? I don't know how it is. I don't know uh, what that water turning to blood, I don't know what that's doing, and I don't know the impact that's having. But we're talking not just about the sailboats. We're not talking about just the cargo ships. We're talking about cruise liners. Now, I've never been on a cruise. My wife still gives me a hard time because we had an opportunity one time to go on a cruise and I didn't really want to be on a boat for a week and so I, it was my fault we didn't go. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? And if, if you have, it's okay, it's wonderful, it's great, all right? Did you know that there are cruise ships that cost over $1 billion to build? We're talking about one-third of the cruise ships will be destroyed. We're talking about one-third of military ships that will be destroyed. If you think a cruise ship is expensive, uh, I looked up the, uh, the aircraft carrier, the USS Gerald Ford. They say that it's $13 billion, but that's actually a low estimate. It probably costs more than that to build, $13 billion with a B. And one-third of all the ships in the sea will be destroyed from the judgment of God. And can I tell you, uh, the cruise liners, nobody's going to be riding on a cruise anyway. Uh, the military, can I tell you, the military is going to be in an all-out panic anyway because the judgment of God is being unleashed on planet Earth. Number three, I want you to notice the third trumpet judgment is found in verse number 10. It says, and the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. There's going to be a star. By the way, it, it could not be a star in, in full size or magnitude, or that star would completely wipe out uh, planet Earth as we know it. But this star is going to enter into our solar system, and it's going to enter our atmosphere, and it's going to affect one-third of all the fresh water in the world. You know what that means. We're talking about drinking water. We're talking about water to cook, water 
to bathe, water to live. We're talking about one third of the water will become bitter because of this star that falls and this star that contaminates the water. It's called wormwood. It's got a name, this star. And we see that one third of the fresh water, the rivers, the lakes, the streams uh, are all destroyed. There are 76 rivers in the world that are a thousand miles long or longer. We're talking about the Amazon. We're talking about the Nile. We're talking about the Mississippi River and the Missouri River, two of the largest rivers in the United States. And this water will be so contaminated that you will not be able to drink it or you will die. The Great Lakes supply 20% of the earth's fresh water. And those Great Lakes, one third of the Great Lakes will be contaminated from this star. This is the judgment of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't understand it. Do you think it's going to be some kind of a chemical? Do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I don't know how God's going to do it. But I know this. It's going to happen. And what God is doing, you say, why is God doing all of this? What God is doing is he's trying to get people's attention. And you know what's amazing? There will be many people during the tribulation period who still will not repent. I think today, I think God's trying to get people's attention. I think that, that there are things that are happening all around us that I think God is do, using those to try to wake us up to realize, number one, that if you're not saved, you better get saved. And number two, if you are saved, you better start living for eternity and you better start doing all you can to see other people get saved. I think God's trying to get our attention for our families and God's trying to get our attention so that we would live in a manner that would, would please the Lord and, and, and serve Him and honor Him. But yet so many times, we don't get our attention back on God, do we? It's almost like we get, we, we dig down even more into, I'm going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is my job, and this is my hobby, and this is what I like, and this is, it's my way. But can I tell you, God is trying to wake us up. Verse 12, it says, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. We see the fourth trumpet. And with the fourth trumpet, one third of the sun is darkened. One-third of the moon is dark, and one-third of the stars in the sky become dark. Now, how's this going to affect the world? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, everything going to solar, I think that might affect that a little bit. Do you think so? How about the temperature? You think having the sun only shining for two-thirds of the day instead of the entire time, you think that's going to affect things? How about this? How about crops? Uh, how, about, how about crime? You think crime might go up a little bit during the tribulation period? Uh, but the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. 
we see that the fourth trumpet sounds and the sun is darkened and the moon and the stars say, how in the world could God do that? Well, if you read Genesis 1, he's the one that made the sun. He's the one that made the moon. He's the one that made the stars. I think he's got it all figured out. I don't think it's going to be any trouble for God. If he could speak the worlds into existence, then God can do exactly what he says in these judgments. But I want you to notice at the end of chapter 8, verse number 13, we see the first four trumpet judgments. And at the end of that fourth trumpet, the Bible says that John beheld, he saw, but then he also heard an angel. And the angel was flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. That word woe, it speaks of fear speaks of frustration. It is used to try to, to get people's attention, but it's, it's getting your attention like, hey, this is not good. This is bad. You don't want this to happen because the angel says there are three more judgments coming and the three judgments coming are worse than the first four. For the Christian. For the child of God, I want to remind you tonight that things for us get better and better and better. As my dad used to say to try to make sure people were listening, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder, right? For the child of God, the worst you'll ever experience is down here because after this, it's just getting better, folks. For all of eternity, it's going to be a heaven like Brother Watts sang about. It's going to be wonderful. But for people that do not know the Lord, the very best they will ever experience is right here and right now because it only gets worse. The Bible says in this passage, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Would you turn with me, hold your place in Revelation 8. Turn with me to Revelation 13. We find this word another place in the Bible here in Revelation 13. The word inhabitants is found. Now we find the word uh, inhabitants and we find people that inhabit, but this word inhabitants is an interesting word and it's also found in Revelation 13 and verse number eight. And the Bible says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This is talking about uh, the Antichrist in Revelation 13, the beast uh, who we know as the Antichrist. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So we know that these inhabitants of the earth, these are people uh, who have rejected Christ. These are people whose names are not written in the lamb's book of life. These are people who not only live on the earth, they're not just inhabitants on the earth, but they are living for this earth. Now, can I tell you, you don't have to wait till the tribulation to find people like that. Did you know, I think there are some Christians that are not just living on this earth. I think there's some Christians that have started living for this earth. Is it not easy sometimes to get real comfortable down here? 
Is it not easy sometimes to start thinking that, that everything is all about what we can get and what we can touch and what we can see and what we can hold and what we can accomplish? When, friend, everything that you can see and touch and hold, everything that is physical down here, one of these days it's all going to burn up. And the tribulation, it's, the, the, the process is set in motion. It's already starting to be destroyed. But the Bible says there is a, a warning for the inhabitants of the earth. I want to tell you tonight, I want to warn you tonight, don't get too attached to things down here. Don't get so wrapped up and don't get so enamored with stuff. Don't get so wrapped up in that which is temporal. Turn with me, please, to 1 John. If you go back a couple of books in the Bible from Revelation, look with me at 1 John chapter 2. The Bible reminds us in 1 John chapter 2 in verse number 15 says, love not the what? The world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, here it is. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't fall in love with this world. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't get too attached to things down here, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The question, I think, from Revelation chapter 8 is, is this. Uh, what are you living for? Uh, what, what matters to you? What is your motivation? What is it that drives you? Notice with me, if you would, Revelation chapter 9. We continue with the trumpet judgments. In verse number 1, we see the fifth trumpet. And if you thought the first four were bad, I want to tell you, this fifth trumpet will scare you to death. Because it says the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, we saw in chapter 8, we saw there was a star that fell called Wormwood. But that's an actual star. That is actually some kind of a, a meteorite. That is something that would resemble a star. But chapter 9, verse 1, it says, This star fell from heaven, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. This star, this is not an it. This is not a thing. This is a person. And to this star, this person is given a key to the bottomless pit. Verse 2, and he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. That is how thick this smoke is. That's how much smoke is coming out that the sun goes dark because of this smoke. It says in verse 3, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. The Bible talks about locusts and plagues of locusts back in Egypt and in the uh, Old Testament. There, there were times where locusts would come and they would destroy crops, but these are not just ordinary locusts. The Bible says in verse 3, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now that's a little disturbing 
to see a, a locust flying through the air in a swarm, but this locust has the tail, uh, a sting of a scorpion. That sounds bad, but that's not all either. It says in verse number four, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Okay, well, normal locusts, that's what they do, right? They eat the vegetation, not these locusts. It says, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, don't be mistaken here. We're not talking about the mark of the beast given by the Antichrist. We're talking here the seal of God, those 144,000 witnesses that God sealed and God gave his protection. These locusts are going after everybody except for the ones that have been protected by God, those that have been sealed by God. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. They say five months is kind of the lifespan of a, of a true locust, and so maybe that's the significance. But can you imagine living five months of your life, around 150 days of your life, being chased by locusts that sting like scorpions, and they're not there to kill you, they're there to torment you. They're there to create pain, they're there to make your life miserable, and you can't get away from them. It says in verse number five, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death. You say, how bad is it gonna be? People are going to want to die, but they can't. They shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. Verse seven gives more description about these locusts. Would you notice with me, verse seven. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was picturing an insect I was picturing, picturing a scorpion, but now the Bible says they're like horses. Their shapes are like horses, and it says this, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Now this is starting to get real scary. We have got a locust with the sting of a scorpion. It's the size and the shape of a horse, and it's got the face of a man. And the Bible says, verse 8, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them. Now, locusts don't have a king over them, but these locusts, these demons do have a king. The Bible says, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. That word in the Hebrew and in the Greek is the same word, but it means destroyer. Verse 12, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. That's chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. That is the fifth trumpet. 
Now let's look quickly at this fifth trumpet and we'll wrap it up. We see that this star that fell from heaven, I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches from several passages of Scripture, this star is Satan. Remember the account in the Old Testament where the Bible talks about Satan being kicked out of heaven? Remember that? Oh, and by the way, do you remember the story of Job? Remember that Satan himself had access to the throne room of God? And he came to, uh, to, to, to basically uh, try to say, hey, God, if you, if you do this to Job, he won't serve you. And God, if you do this, then Job's going to curse you. And so Satan has access to heaven. I didn't say he has authority in heaven, but he's got access. But this angel, this star, Lucifer, who uh, named Lucifer literally means brightness, he is compared to the morning star in Isaiah 14. Jesus said in Luke 10, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. This star, I believe, is Satan. And it says to Satan, this star was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now that may, that may not do anything for you, but that encourages me. You say, what encourages you about Satan having a key to the bottomless pit? He didn't have it until God gave it to him. Can I tell you, Satan has no authority and Satan has no power over you unless God first grants that authority. That ought to help you tonight to know that God's in control. You and I, we're terrified of this description in Revelation chapter nine, but guess what? God's not even nervous about it. As a matter of fact, he's the one that gave Satan the key. He, here's, he's the one that said, hey, Satan, here you go. Go ahead and open up that bottomless pit and let out the demons who have been in the bottomless pit in reserves. You say, what do you mean in reserves? Well, I think we understand that we already are faced with demonic oppression. They're not all locked up in the bottomless pit. Ephesians 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And by the way, Satan's not locked up right now either. He's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So Satan is given access by God. He is given the key to unloose, uh, to, 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 to lose, to unleash demons who have been locked up in the bottomless pit. When the pit was opened, the smoke emerged much like maybe a volcanic eruption. We see here in this passage that Satan is free. Satan is loose and Satan has the ability to, 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 to work right now. But I got good news for you. That key that Satan holds for a while that key that Satan uses to open the bottomless pit and let out all those demons, that, that demonic army from hell, that same key is going to be revoked. And the Bible tells us that during the thousand-year reign of Christ, you know where Satan's going to be? He's going to be locked up in that bottomless pit. And he is going to be under lock and key, and he's not going to be able to get out until God gives him the okay. I'm thankful tonight that although we see the situation on earth gets worse, 
I'm thankful for the child of God that we see that no matter how bad the situation gets down here, our God is still in control. And Satan might be the king of the locust army. He might be the king of the demonic army. But our God is king of kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.